Today's story is about a theft of Palooza in Vijayanagar, where Tenali Raman teaches us the best place to hide our money when the country is overrun by thieves on a stealing spree. Welcome to Stories from India. This is a podcast that will take you on a journey through the rich mythology, folklore and history of the Indian subcontinent. I am Narad Muni, the celestial storyteller and the original Time Lord. With my ability to travel through space and time, I can bring you fascinating stories from the past, the present and the future from the epic tales of the mahabharat and ramayan to the folk tales of the panchatantra to stories of akbar birbal and tenali raman i have a story for every occasion the purpose of the stories is neither to pass judgment nor to indoctrinate my goal is only to share these stories with people who may not have heard them before and to make them more entertaining for those who have in this episode we are back to tenali raman if you haven't heard previous tenali raman stories that is totally fine because all of his stories stand alone but i will give you a bit of context on who he was he was a jester in the emperor krishnadevaraya's court This emperor was a real historical person. But as famous as he was for ruling an empire that covered most of southern India in the 16th century, Krishnadevaraya was just as famous for the many stories told of him and his court jester, Tenali Raman. Often, Raman found every possible means he could to humiliate or upset his emperor or to make money off of him or all of the above krishna devaraya took all this in good humor some of the times at other times he tried to have his jester punished or banished or executed or tortured somehow or the other Tenali Raman always came out on top and it wasn't just the emperor who was humbled in encounters with Tenali the jester did this to ordinary people to scholars to traders to everyone well today's story is another such instance in this one Tenali tricks a thief Guards! screamed Krishnadevaraya. Only two guards rushed to the scene, which sadly reminded the emperor about all the budget cuts that he had made. What's going on here? screamed the emperor. Everything is going missing here in this palace. Yesterday, it was my throne. 
Today, my calendar is gone. The Minister for Justice stroked his beard and nodded sagely. He'll get 12 months for that. The Minister for Crime spoke up. Your throne and your calendar aren't the only things that were stolen, Your Highness. The royal bakery was also broken into last night. And lastly, before leaving, the thief took a shower in your royal bathroom. The royal bakery? The emperor was astonished. What could be the motive for such a crime? Your Highness, the top theory amongst our brightest police officers is that the thief needed some dough. The emperor winced at that, but he was bold enough to ask why the thief had bothered to use the royal bathroom. To which the minister replied that according to the collective wisdom of the ministry, the thief had taken a shower so that he could make a clean getaway. There were groans from the rest of the court. But what else could they do? They weren't responsible for the poor quality of jokes on the show. Krishna Devarayar wandered off into a tangent by wondering why there was a minister for crime and another for justice. How did that even make sense? He decided that he must do a time and motion study to see if the two ministries could be merged. The person who responded next was the Minister for Economy in Administration of Government Efforts in Restructuring, or MEAGER for short. MEAGER said that they had done a time and motion study a few months ago, and the conclusion was that the Ministry of Crime and the Ministry of Justice each needed to be broken up into seven independent ministries. Krishnadevaraya glared at Meagher. Government spending was out of control. No wonder he had to cut down on security to the point that there were only two guards left in the palace. And it was no surprise that the thieves felt bold enough to enter the palace and steal his stuff. And on that note, he asked if his favorite coffee mug might have been stolen by the same thief. The minister of irrigation reminded the emperor that that was impossible. Recently, when the emperor had been inspecting a dam on the Tungabhadra River, he had accidentally dropped his coffee mug into the water. The minister was happy to report that there was a massive irrigation project that was underway to retrieve said coffee mug from the bottom of the reservoir. The emperor didn't care about the minister of irrigation's so-called technicalities. Where was Tanali Raman? when the emperor needed him. 
but the minister for official vacation enforcement or move for short said that tenali was on holiday and indeed he was typically when people on vacation who want to travel might have hired an ultra deluxe horse cart but not raman he was stingy so he did what all the other poor people as well as the miserly rich did and that was to travel on foot and the fact that his destination was 3 days and 2 nights away did not discourage him he was off to watch a gilly danda tournament in a distant town and no silly objections were going to stop him raman's wife tried to warn him there had been a string of thefts and burglaries and stickups all around town and in the forest too especially in the forest and so far none of the thieves had been arrested except for that one guy who had stolen a grand bullock cart and had accidentally barged into a policeman's conference about donuts the newspaper headlines the next day had read grand theft auto corrected but that was an isolated incident most of the other thieves burglars and highwaymen were still at large and that was not going to stop tenali he left his wife to look after their children and without so much as wishing them a proper goodbye he walked off he had too much on his mind anyway whether his favorite fielder jadeja would be playing or not whether the danda man kohli would be in top form or not tenali had placed a large bet on the outcome of the gilly danda tournament without consulting with his family of course that would have been too unconventional for a person in 16th century india on tenali raman's path and waiting for him was chor singh daku chor singh daku was a very versatile thief highwayman and burglar he had won the thief of the year award three times in a row his autobiography roads of deception confessions of a highwayman was on the best seller list for the 20th week in a row who could beat that chor singh daku hadn't always wanted to be a thief he wanted to be on stage he worked hard and honestly and even got his first acting job at a theater but then he found out that stealing the spotlight was a lot more satisfying and lucrative when he did it literally rather than metaphorically 
And now, years later, Chor Singh Daku had found a way to combine his two favorite interests into his profession. We shall soon see his MO. As Tanali appeared on the path, Chor Singh Daku stepped up and politely introduced himself. Hi, kind and well-dressed sir. I'm Chor Singh Daku from Tihar. Tenali Raman responded politely that he was Tenali Raman from Vijayanagar and that he didn't know where Tihar was. Was it somewhere up in the north? Anyway, how could Tenali help? Chor Singh Daku explained that yeah, Tihar was indeed somewhere up in the vague north. And thankfully, he meant unfortunately, no specific maps existed in those days for the two of them to try to locate it exactly. Anyway, moving on to specifically why Chor Singh Daku had hailed Raman. He asked Raman his destination and upon learning that Raman was headed to the Gili Danda tournament, Chor Singh Daku feigned surprise and joy that they were headed to the same place. He explained why. I'm just a traveller and I have some money with me. I'm worried that someone might steal it. I've heard there are many, many highwaymen on this road. You look like a respectable person. And I wonder if the two of us could stick together. Statistics shows that most highwaymen operate by themselves. So if there are two of us and one of him, our money is likely to be safe. Raman agreed that that sounded like a good approach because he had money with him too. So the two of them went together towards the Gilidanda tournament. Turns out, Chor Singh Daku had kept up with current affairs to know about a few surface details about every topic. He considered it a necessary business expense in his profession and he had been able to successfully take a tax deduction for his newspaper subscription. Chor Singh Daku also observed where Raman took money out when they encountered a Panipuri seller along the way. So that day passed easily enough. When it got to late evening, Raman and Daku decided that it was time to find a place and pitch camp for the night. They found a clearing that would get about as comfortable as could be expected from sleeping on the forest floor. They had carried their pillows with them, at least. That wasn't a matter of luck, just standard practice in those days. They each said goodnight and dozed off. Well, only Raman dozed off. 
and it was easy for anyone to see that his snores were indeed genuine. Chor Singh Daku, who had only pretended to sleep, slowly got up. He tiptoed around to where Raman had kept his bag. Good thing that Chor Singh Daku was wearing sneakers. But he needn't have worried. Raman was fast asleep. Chor Singh Daku rummaged through Raman's bag, but there was no sign of the money. He looked around Raman's sleeping area, but again, nothing. He even looked under Raman's pillow. The jester was sleeping soundly and didn't even notice Chor Singh Daku's attempts. The thief found nothing, not a paisa, not under the pillow, not hidden in a nearby tree branch, not in Raman's shoes or his turban or hidden in a stuffed animal. The money seemed to just not be there. Maybe Raman had accidentally dropped it on the way. Or maybe the Pani Puri seller had picked Raman's pocket without the travellers realising it. Disappointed, Chor Singh Daku went back to bed. He was in for a shock the next day because they came across a chai shop on the way and Raman casually took out his wallet to pay. And Chor Singh Daku could clearly see that there was a lot of money in it. How was that possible? Chor Singh Daku had been thorough in his search. His only guess was that maybe Raman had buried the money somewhere in the ground where he slept. But how could he have managed? He had only a few seconds of privacy. The next night, before selecting a sleeping spot, Chor Singh Daku made a thorough examination. He did that under the pretext that last night there had been bedbugs. He was keen to avoid being on the dinner menu for those pesky bugs two nights in a row. Raman shrugged and agreed. To him, it didn't matter. He acknowledged that he slept soundly and nothing, not even an earthquake or the sound of a cannon going off, was likely to wake him up. Encouraged by this, Chor Singh Daku took more risks when he performed his search again that night. He even displaced the sleeping Raman and dug every inch of the place. He again checked Raman's bag, his turban, his clothes, the nearby trees and under rocks. But again, nothing. Where was Raman hiding his money? It had to be something very simple because Raman was getting 
no more than a few seconds of privacy. Chor Singh Daku was getting frustrated at this point. Where was that wallet? He just couldn't take it. Literally and figuratively. How was Raman managing to trick him like this? He definitely was, because the next day, Raman had the wallet on him again. Chor Singh Daku debated breaking out of character and doing an old-fashioned stick-up. But no, he couldn't give up on his principles. Chor Singh Daku was desperate enough to solve this problem that he invented some excuse to also accompany Raman on the return journey. But again, the same thing happened both nights. After the two parted company back in Vijayanagar, Chor Singh Daku decided that he needed a real relaxing vacation. He had been working too hard and he was being too hard on himself. He'd figure it out eventually. Raman was finally back in the palace, where the emperor was glad to have him back for a change. Raman, it's outrageous. Did you know I was held up? The emperor explained how he had been strolling through the nearby forest and a guy in a bandit mask jumped down from a tree and demanded all the emperor's money. And how did you react, your highness? The jester asked. I told this highwayman that he couldn't do that. I was his emperor. And then what happened? The emperor sighed. This highwayman changed his demand. He wanted me to give him all his money back. I couldn't do anything to resist. But don't laugh, Raman. I bet you'd have been forced to do the same. Raman explained that, on the contrary, he had just recently and very successfully repelled an attempt from a highwayman. Raman then explained the whole story. The emperor was intrigued. But then, Raman, where did you hide your money? Why was Chor Singh Daku unable to find it? Your Highness, I hid it in the one place he would not think to look. Under his pillow. The emperor was amazed by how smart Raman was. Surely, with his brains, he could help fix Krishnadevaraya's little problem of excess government spending. Raman was ready to strike while the iron was hot. Sure, your highness. I can fix the problem. I just need time and money. Shall we say 
a five-year budget and a thousand gold coins per month. That's it for this time. Check out the links in the show notes and on the site sfipodcast.com for previous Tenali Raman episodes. We also did one episode on Krishnadeva Rayar. That episode was more in the history category. In keeping with the custom on this show, I've named the characters for the roles they play. Chor and Daku mean thief and decoit. In the next episode, we'll do a folktale again. It's one about humans learning from animals about the value of sacrifice. If you have comments or suggestions, or if there are particular stories that you'd like to hear, please do let me know by leaving a comment or a review on the site sfipodcast.com or tweet at sfipodcast or reply to the questions on Spotify's Q&A. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook. Be sure to subscribe to the show to get notified automatically of new episodes. A big thank you to each and every one of you for your continued support and your feedback. The music is from purpleplanet.com. That's purple-planet.com. Thank you for listening and I'll see you next time.